Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's book talk. I am so thrilled because I have my good friend Deborah Rainey here with us. And Deborah, do you want to take a moment and introduce yourself to all of the people who are going to be watching this? Sure. I'm Deb Rainey. I always want to say I'm from Kansas, but I'm now from Missouri. Uh, my husband and I moved here almost two years ago. It'll be two years in July. And uh, our two daughters and six of our 10 grandkids live here. And that was a strong motivation for relocating. So we are here in Missouri and I've been writing for 26, probably 27 years. And a lot longer than that, if you count the, the writing I did as a 12 year old and <laughs> all of that. So um, I've been published by a whole bunch of different publishers and uh, my husband and I recently just put out our first indie uh, novel. He is my everything. He's my publisher, my cover designer. I don't let him edit for me. That's about the only thing he doesn't do. So. Well, and I bet if you asked him to, I bet Ken would find a way. Well, he, he probably would. Uh, when, after I had written two books, and he read the manuscripts and gave great feedback. Um, he, he said, if you're going to keep doing this, would it be okay if I wait until your books are published before I read them? But he, he has read every single one of my books. So I'm, I'm really, I feel very much supported by him. So. That is awesome. And he makes the most stunning covers. Uh, you've got to show them the cover for the new book. Oh, you bet. It's going to be backwards, probably. But this is brilliant. Actually, show it as well, yeah. Okay, good. It's backwards to me, so everybody <laughs> else is seeing it right. Anyway, yeah, he, he's an extremely talented designer and artist and uh, illustrator and ha has been doing that for most of his life. So I'm just really thrilled that it translated over to my books. So Absolutely. So hi, Janet and hi, Linda. Thanks for joining us. And for those of you who are tuning in, this is my friend, Deborah Rainey. And so I'm so excited that she's here to talk with us. And Linda says, yes, he is. He does great covers for you. So you've been published with a lot of author or a lot of publishers, kind of like I have, where you've written books in different places, and now you're doing some indie as well as traditionally published. What kind of books or what kind of genre would you tell someone who's discovering you for the first time is like your, if they're looking for this kind of book, this is what you write? I, I write what I consider women's fiction, but it almost always has a thread of romance um, because love makes the world go round. And that's just, that's what I like to read. Um, my books are all, all but one contemporary. I did write a historical once upon a time and I have so much respect for people who write historical, just the research that they have to do to, to write a sentence, not, not just the book, but to write one sentence is incredible. And uh, I think I will stick with contemporary from, <laughs> from here on out. So anyway. uh, my book, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Deb. 
I was just going to say my books usually have, uh, they include a dilemma. My, my characters always find themselves in a dilemma. And I always want the reader to ask, what would I do if I were in this, you know, character's shoes? And um, so that's where the stories go from there. Yeah. Well, I would, I was thinking about it earlier today as I was walking around campus. I was like, I would call them kind of family sagas that have some romance in each one but there is you have these deeper issues but they don't bog it down you know they there have been times where what i would consider like traditional women's fiction i just couldn't read because it was too heavy on top of what was going on in my life and yet yours i could always read i think it's because it's more of like that it's a you're following kind of a family across the series usually and then there's that romance so that gives the hope and the expectation of new things even as there's real life kind of threaded through it exactly i remember when i was writing my first novel which was about a family dealing with alzheimer's disease my editor said deb this is such a heavy topic is there any way we can inject some humor into it and at the time i just thought any way that I could think to inject humor felt like I was making fun of the situation. But I realized later that that's how we deal in real life. That's how we deal with heavy topics is with humor. And so I was able to inject a little bit. But I think as the years have gone by more and more, I I realized that humor is a gift from God. And it is one of the ways we cope. And so why wouldn't my characters cope the same way? I have a lot of fun. I'm not I'm not a comedian. I'm not funny in real life. But I sometimes I make myself laugh in my books. So I'm always I always feel successful if I'm reading the edit, you know, months after I wrote a scene. And it makes me laugh. And I think, oh, I can be funny occasionally. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's always the best. And there's something very, um, I'm going to call it refreshing, but it's like this new way of looking at it when when you're slogging through the day-to-day drafting of the novel, you can, it's so easy for me to go, I hate this book. I hate these characters. Nobody's going to want to read it. And then when it goes off to the editor and it comes back to me, it's like, there's this freshness where I can see it and go, and I love it when I'm like, man, I am a good writer. I I have truly sometimes read something, you know, six months after I wrote it and thought, my editor must have added that because yeah. I don't think I'm that good of a writer. And then I go back and no, it was in my original yeah. manuscript. I'm always so thrilled to find that out. So yeah, well, it is because I think sometimes when it's that work, because writing is work, it's solitary, it's you and the computer, it's discipline, it's showing up, it's getting the word count, it's, it's work. And we can get so close to it that we lose that creative um, partnership with God that happens when we're doing it. And then we just need that fresh perspective. And sometimes for me, it doesn't come till galleys. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for me, it's in the macro edit where I'll just be like, oh, that was so good. And it's just like that kiss from heaven of, okay, I I can do this because there are so many days and I'm like, this is nobody's gonna want to read it and it's just awful and I think that is even more true Kara for you and I because we are extroverts we need our people and and that that solitude that you have to have to write gets old after a while you know and and you just need your people and so and hence book talks because I was like I need my people exactly Uh, one of the 
questions that came in um, is off of what we were just talking about a few minutes ago with the idea that Bridges is your first indie published book. So some of the watchers are really curious about that. Like Linda asked, does indie publishing mean you do every step of the book yourself? There's different levels, I guess, of indie publishing. In the old days, we used to call it self-publishing, and that meant that you paid a whole bunch of money to an independent printer is what they pretty much were, and they told you that they would edit your book and design a cover, and they might have done some of those things, but you paid dearly for it, and you really didn't get the kind of editing that you get at a traditional publishing house. And, and I will say off the top right now that I would never attempt indie publishing if I hadn't first published traditionally and learned because I knew nothing about writing when I first started. I was a, a, a voracious reader and that's, that is how I learned to write. Yeah. And I, I knew when I wrote something, whether it was good or not, simply by how it stacked up to the books that I was reading, you know, at that time. And I tried to read really good books, books that had been acclaimed. And um, so that I knew I was reading books that it would be good to emulate, you know, that, that author. Um, but um, yes, to answer Linda's question, uh, the author can have as much freedom as they want if they're independently publishing. If you are a good designer, if that happens to be another gift, and I'm always amazed and jealous by writers who not only can write, but they can sing, they can, you know, they're artists. And I, I some people just get all the talent. I pretty much write and that's it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a good grandma and I'm a good mom. But other than that, that's about the extent of my talents. But Oh, and I'm a good garage sailor. Yes, <laughs> that's the other are. thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I yes. think, and that's where, like, if you're going to do real indie publishing, you're getting the covers. You happen to be married to a man who can design amazing covers, but you're still hiring editors. You're still working with first readers or, you know, line editors, um, and you're still going through all those steps. You're deciding the marketing, where you're going to publish the book. If it's going to have an audiobook, you're paying for that or finding a, a narrator who will cost share with you. But all of that you're managing yourself. And I've done it with my books where I've gotten the rights back. Um, but I've only done like a novella where it was completely me and I'm getting ready to do another one because it's kind of daunting to take all of that on yourself and Ken helps you, right? Ken kind of helps manage a lot of that so you can focus on the writing. He does literally everything but the writing. I mean, I, I and, and the editing. I mean, I do hire editors or, or sometimes trade editing with other writers, which yeah. has been wonderful. Um, it, not all writers are editors, but there are some that, that are. And uh, so I, I love getting to work with writer friends as editors. Um, but yes, I, I am very blessed that I married the guy who does all the stuff that you, you know, other, other people, if you're writing and you don't happen to have that guy living in your house, you will be hiring people to do that. And that's one reason I strongly recommend that people get involved in a writer's group, because that's how you'll make connections with people who do great cover design and who know how to do the formatting and, uh, uh, all the other things, editing and, and being yeah. beta readers for you and all of those things. Exactly. Well, and as I think about my journey, and we've got lots of people from Missouri watching, they're chiming oh, in with where they're from, okay. and then DC's from Alaska, so we're, we've got kind of the country covered. Awesome. But um, 
you and I are both on the board of American Christian Fiction Writers, and I served on the operating board, and then when it became just one board, made that transition, and I've been involved since 2008 was the first year that I was like heavily involved, and you've been involved longer than that. Why have you invested so much time in an organization like American Christian Fiction Writers, and do you think it's something that aspiring writers should get involved in? Amen. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And Kara, the reason I got involved in the first place is because when I started writing in 1994, I didn't have, I did not know one other person who wrote. I had a, a very dear friend who was a journalist, but she, that's different than writing fiction. <laughs> And I knew nothing about it. And I so wished, at, once I learned about ACFW, I so wished that I had known about that when I started out. It would have saved me so much time and so much rewriting and so much effort. And so I want to help other aspiring writers discover those things that, that a writing uh, a group like American Christian Fiction Writers offers. Well, and one of the things that I love about you, and we've co-taught a continuing education session, so a full day session at ACFW together, which was so much fun, but you fun. love working with the aspiring writers, like the very, the newbie, the person who's starting out and they have this desire, but they're not sure how to get started. So what's your number one piece of advice for someone who has that itch, that desire? They read books and they're not getting written fast enough and they're like, I can do this. What's the number one thing you would recommend to that aspiring author? Well, we've already kind of talked about it, get in a writer's group. That is the number one thing I would say. But maybe even before that, I would say, write. Um, I know so many aspiring writers who want to write. They feel they have the gift for yeah. writing. They've never put anything on the page yet. Yeah. Um, I think they've got their entire novel written, maybe five novels written in their head, but they haven't gotten it on the page. So and, and it's really helpful if you can have at least a few chapters, the first three or four chapters of your novel written before you go to a writer's conference, because then you have, you're not starting with a blank page. You have something that you can work with as you're sitting in classes and hearing them talk about point of view and uh, show, don't tell and all the different aspects of writing, then you have something to apply that to. Well, and I think one of the other things that we mentioned as well is you need to be a voracious reader and you need to read the genre that you want to write. Yeah. And you need to read not just like we're both Christian novelists, but I make sure I read in the ABA as well so that I can see, okay, what's working, what's not working. And then you do, you kind of instinctively pick up then, oh, that's not working. And I may not be able to tell you it's a point of view issue as a new novelist, but then when I start writing, I can go, oh, wait a minute, this isn't working. And I know it's not because that bothers me as a reader. And so I think that's so, so important. And I remember my first ACFW, because I met Colleen Coble in April of 2005, and she's like, you have to come to ACFW. And I was like, okay. So I started writing and I joined ACFW because she told me to and got involved in writing group or little mentor groups that we had. And I learned so much, 
so quickly from having that discipline of not only needing to write and turn something in, but also then reading other people's and going, wait a minute, this is working, this isn't working. And you just, you learn so much from that process. And then when I got to conference, I didn't have a complete novel, but I had a good half done to where I could, I then knew I had something to talk about with editors and agents. But like you said, I had something to apply to as well. And you're getting ready, ACFW is coming up in September and it'll be virtual again this year. And then hopefully next year we'll be back in St. Louis, but you're getting ready to teach at a face-to-face conference Later this month or next month? This month. I'm so excited to finally get to go back and do it in person. Yes. Yeah, it's been a long time. I'm almost a little bit nervous. I mean, teaching just comes very naturally to me, but I'm a little bit nervous that I'll have forgotten how. So, it's like riding a bicycle. Yeah. And Andy says she can't wait to meet you at the weekend with the Writers Conference next winter. Yeah. So I've got a couple of them coming up. I do. Yeah, I do. I'm very, very excited for that. So yeah. 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 Working with the writers is something that Lynette Eason does, and it's going to be at Myrtle Beach in January. And I'm going to go teach at one of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really thrilled. So that will be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We will probably be RVing there. So it'll it'll be a little the RV has been wonderful as far as research goes. Um, my first novels were all set either in Kansas or I started writing in Missouri once my daughters moved here, just as an excuse when I came to visit them, I could also call it a research trip. And yeah. uh, my, my husband's watching my friends uh, set their novels in Paris and Hawaii, like Colleen's <laughs> books are. And he's like, why don't you, you know, uh, spread your wings a little bit there and we can go some places. So we'll see. I don't know where my next novel might be set. but yeah. Well, and that actually ties in beautifully to Joy's question. Have your travels been helpful in finding inspiration? Because she says your photos have been amazing and you do take oh, fantastic photos while you're traveling. Um, so are you starting to spread your wings out a little bit with the RV and looking for potential inspiration? Yes, definitely looking for. And in fact, um, the the Chandler Sisters novels that I did with Kriegel was set in Air, an Airbnb. Now it happened to be in Missouri, but we stayed at that time, we didn't have an RV, we were staying in Airbnb. So that was pure research of just how those work and you yeah. know what some things that could go wrong and and you know, just all those kinds of questions got answered. So um, and the, the next book that I'm going to be working on is the third book in the Camfield Legacy series, which is Beneath the okay. Southern Sky, After the Rains, and I'm writing the third book, which is Breath of Heaven. And so my setting is already uh, set because the other two books were set in Kansas, but also in Columbia, South America. And so that really yes. stretches my, <laughs> yeah, stretches me because I've never been there before. Um, but I did extensive research and talked to a couple of missionaries and uh, a girl who grew up there because her dad was in uh, some an oil uh, business or something there. Oh, okay. and got tons of great help from from those uh, experiences. So. Absolutely. And I found like Google Earth can be helpful. And there are so many travel blogs or, you know, you get on TripAdvisor and people have posted photos and videos and things like that. So there are lots of ways you can get that feel without having actually been there. But man, when you can go visit, it just adds a flavor. 
It does. Yeah. There, there are just some things that you just can't absorb unless you are there. Yeah. Smells, for one thing. Yes. Google Earth, you are not going to get the smells. And I remember when I was writing my novel, Over the Water, set in Haiti. And we had we had actually two different trips scheduled to go to Haiti. My parents had been short-term missionaries there for many years. And um, both times those trips got canceled because of unrest in the country. And I was kind of panicking. How, how am I going to finish this book when I have not been there? And of course, I could pick my parents' brain. And my sister had been there with my parents. And she had taken a lot of pictures and shared those with me. But it wasn't until a writer friend um, contacted me and said that she had 10 hours of video that she and her husband had taken. And she sent that to me and that changed everything because I could hear the roosters crow in the background and the donkey's brain and things that are not going to be in the travel guides and not going to exactly. not necessarily be in the pictures, you know, that missionaries take there. So that made such a difference. And then I found another missionary who actually, who had been, I mean, yeah, she and her husband had been missionaries to Haiti. And she spoke enough Creole that she could help me with the language and getting everything, you know, everything translated. I didn't use a lot of the, the language, but enough to give it that flavor that, that, that a language does. Yeah. And that's where, you know, sometimes as a writer, that's one of the tricks is how do you sprinkle in just enough that it gives the flavor without bogging it down. And so and that's, you know, every writer is going to have a slightly different way. Like I'll, I do bare bones, physical descriptions enough that you can kind of get an idea, but then you can fill it in with what you think the person should look like. And then there are other authors where they'll spend a whole paragraph just describing every wrinkle and everything. And that's fine, but that's the part I kind of tend to skim. And so everybody has a different style, but things like the taste and the smell and those sensory details that go beyond sight and hearing are just, you know, the touch even, you know, seeing. That's what really puts you in the scene when you're reading the book. The characters can look however you want them to look, you know. Yeah. And so it's just, it's always interesting to see the difference. And so, um, Rebecca said she loves the series set around Cape Girardeau because she went to the university there. Yeah, and then there's- Our two daughters are graduates of there and they married guys who are graduates of there, which is why they stayed here (laughs) come back home to Kansas. So that's why we're here and we love it here. Yeah, no, Missouri is a great state. There's so much there. And so even if you stay in kind of the same area, there's so many different stories and so many different hidden treasures that people don't recognize. And that even sometimes when you're from the area, you don't see because you know being that tourist in your own backyard is like the yeah. last thing most of us do so uh, Linda says your yeah, research makes a book so authentic so what's one of the craziest things you've researched because you don't kill people so. <laughs> no I don't <laughs> as much as Colleen Coble would like me to kill somebody in one of my <laughs> novels I, I I have had characters die on me but I did not kill them so. <laughs> natural causes you know an accident but it wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the author. Yeah, whereas yeah. my kids are like, you're not killing enough people, mom. You need a few more bodies. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you write that genre so you can get away with it. I don't think I could. So one of the craziest things I've done. Um, this, this actually is the only book I've ever written that didn't get published. Um, oh. 
but it would be your next indie then. <laughs> I I don't honestly I don't even know if I have a copy of that book because it was on a floppy disk. Oh. It was it was the second novel I ever wrote after um, about a cherish, and I just had this passion for this story, and it was it was basically what would be an an Amish uh, love story now, and it oh, was. Okay. It was about a different sect of the Amish, which where we lived in Kansas, there were a lot of uh, Holderman Mennonites. And that's what this story was, was all um, built around. And I wrote the entire novel and sent it to Bethany House, who was my publisher at the time. And they had just hired the, or had just signed with this author named, um, I believe her name's Beverly Lewis. <laughs> you may be familiar with and she of course was doing the Amish fiction which was wonderful and there there just wasn't a spot for because the the sect that I was writing about is really fairly small compared to the Amish and not all over the world like the Amish are yeah. so anyway oh the crazy not crazy but the interesting yeah. thing that I did is to go to one of their church services where the women sit on one side and the men sit on the other and I have never felt so out of place. I went with my head uncovered and they all covered their heads, but, but outsiders are not required to, but I, I just didn't know if I was doing the right thing. The, the worst thing that happened is my husband was out of town when I was, when, you know, there was a church service that I needed to go to for the research. And I backed our car out of the garage into our other car and smashed both of our cars. <laughs> my way to this research thing it, it wasn't terribly serious on either one but I just could not believe and my husband comes home from his business trip and I have to tell him oh I just wrecked both of our cars while you were gone no big deal first <laughs> oh, yeah I, I've done that but where it was like the mirror to mirror you know side mirror to side yeah. mirror kind of thing yeah. it's like yeah it's the worst it. feeling it world. is. It is. Real life with writers. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, some folks are saying you need to take your RV to Tennessee because they want to see some books set in Tennessee. Well, so. guess what? That's where our next trip is taking us. So yay. Yeah, the next trip that we are going on and, and we leave later this month, we are going, first of all, to St. Simon's Island, Georgia. Um, those of you who are Eugenia Price uh, yes. reader, that's where all of her, or most of her novels were set. And Oh, the hearts have... are going off like crazy right now. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I can hardly wait. I've never been there and I've wanted to go ever since I was, before I ever started writing when I was reading Eugenia Price. So I'm thrilled about that. And then we are going to meet some friends of ours who were friends of ours as newlyweds when we uh, lived in New York uh, early in our marriage and going to meet them there. We've met them several times, have stayed good friends all these years. And we are going to uh, stay in an Airbnb near the Smoky uh, Mountains National Park. Is it a national park or a national forest? Anyway, we're going to be in Tennessee for, for quite a while, and uh, a couple of weeks. And we, I will also, uh, I, I have a wonderful writing critique partner, Tamara Alexander, who happens to live in Tennessee. And so we're going to get to meet up with her and her husband. And, really looking forward to that too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because there's something about 
I don't know, writing friendships are just so special. And I think it's because we're a weird breed. And then you and I are really weird because we're extrovert. And And Colleen's the same because she's also an extrovert. And yet it's uh, so many people, so many writers are introverts. They're like, oh, pandemic's been great because all I have to do is write. And I'm like, no, it's not been great. It's, a people. it's so fun that you're going to get to go out and travel and mm-hmm. Tennessee and those mountains are just beautiful. Yeah. Really, really pretty. Way. We've been there a little bit, but not, we haven't ever been to the, the national park. So we're really looking forward to that. And Carrie, you asked earlier about um, just the, the RV and research uh, yeah. puzzle. And yes, it's it's wonderful for research, but because just getting out of your own little bubble and experiencing different things and meeting people and all of that is great. But there, as a writer, there is also something about changing locations of where you write. Even if you're still writing a, a, a novel that is set back in your home state, something about getting into a whole different environment just for me really helps the words flow. So yeah, I'm looking I think forward that's to been that one part. of the hard things about this year is because I teach at a major university and we've been face-to-face, but that's come with a lot of rules. I've not been able to travel mm-hmm. in addition to just the pandemic. And it is, I, I can tell, I'm like, I need to get out of my environment because I've been working incredibly hard in my day job and the creativity is just dried up. And I'm like, I need to leave and get a break so that there can just be some fresh inflow because I want to write, but I'm just like, I need some inspiration. And there is, there's something to, it doesn't matter where you go, if it's just a little bit out of the ordinary, even for a couple of days, it makes such a difference. And I haven't been able to do like the writer's retreat where you go for a week and you write in a cabin. And part of me thinks that sounds so wonderful, but that's not my life right now. I still have, you know, kids and at the house. And have a feeling that. That if there were other writers there, I would not get any writing done because we would be talking. So yes, well, yeah. and I, I did do a small writer's retreat and it, in December where people came here and we were at a hotel and we did, brainstorming and stuff and it was so good the ideas started flowing and there's just something to either being with other creatives or getting out of your environment you know I had one night where I was at a hotel and I just was pounding it out because there weren't the distractions in a normal environment and so that's so awesome that you get to do that. I'm so jealous in such a good way. We <laughs> were doing some work on the RV last night and just sat down kind of in, in the RV in our driveway. And I said, you know, I can see myself coming out here to write, yeah. even though my office is just right across the way. Um, just again, something about just getting out of your normal routine and going to a different place where you look up and see things that you don't ordinarily see. Well, or for me, it's the going to Panera for a couple hours so that I'm not distracted by my desk is a mess and there's laundry that needs to be done and there's kids that I really want to be spending time with or whatever. And so I think sometimes we think it has to be this huge block, but sometimes it can literally be you need two hours or four hours where you just kind of get out of your normal and that can help you get past the block, you know, or or whatever. Sometimes you come home from Panera and you could write another hour just because exactly. you got the things flowing yeah. and yeah yeah and that's all it takes uh, Linda says it's fun that you all help and support each other and you know I have to say I don't know that 
non-Christian writers are at the same level, although some that I've gotten to know, I would say, yes, there's still this supportive network, but man, in Christian fiction, it's incredible. It is, it is incredible. We all want to, we're, we all have the same message at the very core of our stories. And so we want to help each other and support each other. And, and we truly do, I mean, I'm not saying we're human and there are jealousies and things like that that pop up, but under it all, we all want to see each other succeed and we celebrate each other's successes and, and cry with each other when, when things don't go the way we hope yeah. they did. And so, yeah, it, it's really amazing. It is. Well, and you and I are in, on a blog together uh, inspired by life and fiction. In fact, I have a alert that I need to write my post for this week. And then we're also in a um, uh, like marketing support, you know, helping each other get the word out about books. And, you know, that's so wonderful because it's, it's not solitary. We're coming alongside each other and we're sharing the burden of marketing or, you know, sharing readership um, so that, you know, I always tell people, if you don't like my books, that's fine. Still talk to me about what you like to read because I can help you find four or five other authors that you're going to love their books. Because um, we were talking earlier, I've read 45 books already this year. So I'm reading a lot because I want to know what's good, what's out there. And so I can help connect readers with really great authors that they're going to love. You know, when I first started writing, I think one of the hardest things for me was promoting my books. Because oh, absolutely. You know, I grew up, we were taught that Christians don't brag about themselves and they don't draw attention to themselves. And yet the publisher that I was working for says, you need to draw attention to yourself and brag on yourself. But what I've learned is that it's a lot of a lot easier and it's actually biblical to brag on other writers and and to share what they have done and so I love that interaction that we have and being able to promote each other it's really easy to say oh you've got to read Kara's newest book it's awesome rather than you've got to read my latest book it's awesome who who wants to read that book <laughs> Well, and it's what's really sweet is my books are not what you would normally pick up to read, especially the I have read them. Yes, I have. <laughs> and they, were, they didn't I didn't lose any sleep. I, I mean, I left I lost sleep because I couldn't put the book down, but I didn't lose <laughs> because I was scared to death of what I've read. So yeah, and that's an important distinction. You know, turning because you can't wait to see what comes next is very different from you're so disturbed you can't keep reading. Right. So yeah. Um, well, this has been so much fun. As we wrap up, Deborah, is there anything else you want to make sure that people who are watching know about you and your books? Because you've got Bridges that just came out. Um, so hold up the cover again. You need to show it. <laughs> oh, yes, here it is. You know? I show I, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> yes. And then before this, the most recent uh, books that I wrote were the Chandler Sisters series. And those are set in the Cape Girardeau area, fictional uh, place in Cape Girardeau. But it was really fun to write about the place that I live, it's being that it's a new place now. Yeah. Um, and it was a blast to write about sisters because I have sisters and uh, I miss my sisters. They're back in Kansas. And uh, so it was fun to just explore the, all the different aspects that sisters have. That's something I, I really hadn't done before. I, I think I've had some characters that had sisters, but they weren't all main characters that I got to delve into their points of view. So yeah, 
And it's, it's always fun when you do that and you're like, oh, they're sisters. They grew up together. They're going to be very similar. And then you're like, oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah. And that they're going to have completely different memories and perspectives of their yeah. childhood just because of where they were in birth order. Or Yeah, it was fascinating. It was really fun to do that. So okay. my, my youngest sister is eight years younger than I am. And so we truly did have very different childhoods. And it, it's fun to see where our memories intersect and where they don't intersect. And, and we just remember things really differently. So that's, that's so true. And yeah. it's easy to forget those distinctions just from age perspective and things like that. So give us the quick synopsis of Bridges before we wrap up. Okay. Um, Bridges is um, about a woman who has been a widow for three years and she hasn't, um, she just hasn't really restarted her life. And unfortunately she's in, hit the empty nest at the same time Ooh. that she's trying to get her life back together. So a lot of really hard things. Um, but then some kind of happy things happened to her that that put her uh, on a different trajectory than she thought she was on. And of course, it involves romance. Uh, because that's, that's what there is always a thread. But again, there, there I love having multiple threads. The book is not all about the romance. It's also about the man that she meets um, has some things going on in his life as, as well and a son that he is trying to reconcile with and um, just... Uh, it all comes together in some really fun ways. So you'll have to do uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's available. Amazon, is it available other places as well? Well, it's not in Barnes and Noble, but who's going to Barnes and Noble right now anyway? So yeah, it, it's available on for Kindle and it is available as an uh, audio book. We just had Julie Lancelot has done uh, the narration for my audiobooks, and I, she has a voice like butter. I just love listening to her. So oh, if you're so an audiobook fun. lover, you can find that as well. So fantastic, and it is. It's always interesting to hear your words spoken by someone else. It is. Yes, it is very much. And sometimes she she reinterprets them, and I'm thinking. I like the way she said that, you know, it, it actually worked better that way than how I was thinking. So oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed meeting my friend Deborah Rainey. And if you haven't checked out her books yet, I highly recommend them. They are fantastic. Uh, the Chandler Sisters is a great example of what I call her family saga with romance. And then Bridges is the one that just came out. And uh, I hope you'll check, turn, bleh, tune back in next week, uh, Tuesday at 8.30. Thanks so much. And as always, it was so fun to have you join us for this book chat. Thank you so much, Kara. This was great. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at karaputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in.